Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. All right, let's get into it. We've made it to the hump day. Good morning, everybody. It's November 29th, Wednesday, 2023. I've got a lot of content coming your way. Some Bachelor news, entertainment news, fun facts, goodwill stories, and so much more to dive into. Nothing but love out there, and we have love for Rudy... Uh, formerly of Listen to Your Heart, and now uh, on The Voice, uh, Monday night was her final episode of The Voice. She did not make it through to the live rounds, but boy, does she have some pipes. Here's Rudy's Spanish performance of Mariah Carey's My All. I'm going to play just a, a little bit of this song here, but let's uh, start our morning commute off listening to Rudy. Again, from Bachelor's Listen to Your Voice. Uh, listen to your heart, whatever the hell the song's called, and now on NBC's The Voice. Have a listen. That's Rudy singing Mariah Carey's My All from this week's episode of The Voice. Can you believe that they uh, passed on her? I mean, she's radio ready. She is due for an album. And boy, is she due for a Driving with Dave. We've been trying to get her on. She said, hey, Dave, I'll, I'll do Driving with Dave. But I got a little thing coming up. That turned out to be The Voice. And now may maybe she's now too popular for us. And speaking of popular podcasts, have you heard of Taylor Lautner and Taylor Lautner? That's right. Not a stutter. 
Twitter. We have Taylor Lautner uh, from the hit movies, you know, where he played the werewolf. What's it called? Twilight. That's it. Well, he actually married somebody with the same name, also named Taylor Lautner. They have a hit podcast out called The Squeeze. Here he is on The Tonight Show discussing uh, starting this podcast with his wife, Taylor Lautner. Have a listen to Taylor Lautner right here. My wife was a nurse through COVID um, and kind of... Thank you. Yeah, she's she's incredible. But um, after going through that, she she realized that she had to take a step back to kind of prioritize her mental health. Sure. She you know deals with a lot of that stuff still today. And we kind of just started both of our mental health journeys around the same time. Um, me realizing I had to just like address things. Um, that I just, you know, pushed down and never really thought about. Just the way that I grew up, being in the spotlight since, you know, a kid. And I just never, I, I never thought about it that way. And I was like, you know what, I, I, I need to, like, take this seriously. And we started that together. So it was, it, it was really awesome to have each other going through that journey. This was, you know, right, right around COVID time. You know, kind of like the journey for many of us. Yeah. Um, and from, from that, we were like... We, we feel called to do this podcast and just have vulnerable conversations with ourselves, our guests. Um, so, and then the squeeze is? The, the squeeze is just the, the juice of your mental health. Yeah, the squeeze. Yes. We, we get into it. We yeah. don't hold back. Yeah. Um, Life but, gives you lemons. Yeah. And Make it's lemonade. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, That's what we're trying to do. All right, so there it is, the squeeze. And again, I've checked out their podcast. They've had some Bachelor guests on. High production value, good for them. Boy, would I love to get our show on their podcast. If anyone has any connections, DM them, because by all means, they've got quite the little following out there. All right, in the uh, in the morning news about the you know any signs the zombie apocalypse is coming, here it is. Tragic death caused by brain-eating amoeba. That's right. Uh, that's not good news. That That's in California's eastern Sierra. So let's hope that this brain-eating amoeba stays in the mountains. But a real tragic story out there. I mean, look, that's the world we live in, right? And speaking of getting a new lot on life, uh, Tyler Cameron uh, recently won uh, Special Forces Season 2. He says uh, it's been life-changing. Well, now he's being interviewed at LAX by TMZ, which is the place to go find celebrities. And they ask him about the Golden Bachelor, and he says, hey, maybe older women might be the ticket. Have a listen. There's this huge movement with the Golden Bachelor. All these, all these people are, are magnetized to it. Yeah. It's like a new thing. I gotta know, do you ever see the, I feel like a lot of younger guys are like, man, some of these older women are attractive. Like, hey, maybe they should mix up the age groups. Uh, they could, I mean, they make a lot of fun. You know, I think they've done some shows that done it already, but uh, why not, you know? You, do you think that, like, there's something to that? Like, like as far as, far as like, you see, you, even your I mean, friends. there's always something we can learn from the older woman, so, you know. That's Jeez. true, that's true. There's something, there's some wisdom to that. Exactly. But um, I feel like it's, like, popular now to, like, you know, date older. Have you yeah, seen I, it? I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, date older, date what, you know, I think it's, I think, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like we've been talking about that trend for a while now. Uh, but I think now we're seeing it on TV and they're getting more limelight and it's, yeah. it's great for them to see. So I think we're getting more excited about it. Hey, well, look, man, I think, I think there could be, like, a, 
a new like a, a spin-off because they keep doing new put them all on the beach and see what happens you know <laughs> like put that them all, on the beach and see what happens. all right that's tyler cameron saying put them all on the beach and see what happens that that being the golden bachelorette the golden bachelor bachelor in paradise hey i like it it's a nice little cornucopia of uh you know reality stars there a soup if you will you can let them all marinate and melt in together on the beaches of paradise why not folks it's all i mean i swear if, if the show thought they could make some money off of it they certainly would do that all right let's get into the state of stand-up comedy we'll have some fun content for you right after a break now, the morning rush is a little different than the afternoon rush here. We're not going to be as bachelor-centric. We're just going to talk about things that sound interesting. And, you know, one of my favorite comedic actors growing up was Vince Vaughn. And, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Was Wedding Crashers not one of the best comedies ever made? You know, I actually uh, got into comedy and a friend of mine, her name is Rachel Sterling, She, I found out she was in Wedding Crashers. How funny is that when you get into the world of entertainment and you see somebody that was also in one of your favorite movies growing up. It's a full circle moment. Either way, very interesting conversation happening here. Vince Vaughn talking about the modern state of comedy. Have a listen. We're like, now you have these people who put themselves in the oddest position of being the curators of what was kind or unkind. This was okay, but this wasn't, or I cringe when I look back at this. It's like right. crazy. I think those are sometimes the cringiest. The purveyor of, yeah. of what is funny or what isn't. Like comedy's a big tent. It's ever evolving, <laughs> it's not to be dictated. Right. There's no one way one, to the waterfall. Right. It's a right. crazy idea that this, this happens. Hey, here's how you do comedy. It's like, you know, you got slipping on a banana peel to, yeah. right. you know, it's totally odd true. conversations to, right. you know, there's a there's a wide range of what people find to be to, yeah. to be funny. And it's like almost like people that would like sit and overanalyze a situation mm -hmm. to the point of making themselves feel really good about themselves. My yeah. guess would be they'd have something that they're not thrilled about. I haven't met someone who's not, you are know what I mean? But my guess think? is they might have yeah. one area, there might be one area of their life where they didn't handle everything perfectly. perfectly. I've yet to meet anyone over the age of maybe six months. <laughs> All right, so there's Vince Vaughn. Now look, we have this way of kind of making fun of older generations to be like, "All right, boomer, get off my lawn," you know, this whole idea. And again, I'm I'm guilty of it too. I like to I like to rib a good boomer once in a while. Come on, you can you can uh, get there, take a laugh. Uh, not Vince Vaughn's not a boomer here, is he? I don't think so. Gen X, maybe? Either way, he says, look, it's subjective. Comedy's a dance. It's hard to define what's funny. You just know that it is because it comes in so many visceral different ways, which is what makes comedy kind of hard to do sometimes because it's like jazz in the sense that it plays between the notes, right? So uh, in music, you have to learn the scales, a G scale, an E, whatever, you know, a B flat. You need to learn the scale so that you know which notes harmonize together. And then in jazz, you have that kind of moment where you get a note that dips below or above the standardized measure. And I kind of feel like comedy is the same way. That's why uh, kids don't necessarily understand comedy because of the nuance. Comedy exists because we accept the world for the way it is, and then comedy violates some of the rules of that world. Now, audiences in today's society, you know, in some ways or another, get a little offended by certain things that they might feel uh, are playing to a the lowest, lowest common denominator, right? Some things that might make fun of marginalized groups and things like that, which by all means, I think there's a conversation that can be had about what's funny versus what's offensive. And 
the pursuit of comedy doesn't know the difference. And that's why it's important to live in the world that we live in where you can take, you know, uh, chances and risks at jokes. Sometimes they pay off. Sometimes they don't. That's why usually, you know, in the standup world, when you're doing open mics, you get to work that out in a small controlled environment before you take it to the masses. And speaking of the masses, we've got a massive multi-year development deal for Guy Fieri. Uh, he signs a $100 million multi-year deal with the Food Network. So munch on that one on your way to work. Guy Fieri signed a new three-year deal with Food Network, which sources tell Variety is valued at more than $100 million. This fresh pact means that Fieri retains his title as the Warner Brother Discovery-owned cable channel's highest-paid talent and bests his most recent multi-year deal, which closed in 2021 for $80 million. Oh, Times were tough back in 2021 when he was only pulling in 80 million, but glad he uh, made it to the next decibel level. Good for him. And speaking of very wealthy uh, 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 industry giants, we have James Cameron. You know him from the Titanic. Uh, well, he says Avatar 3 is in a very hectic two years of post-production right now. Plans to only shoot films in New Zealand indefinitely. I think this is wild. I have such a hard time doing anything creative that doesn't give me an immediate return on my investment, which is why I've ended up becoming sort of the guy who makes last-minute content on YouTube. I don't have the muscle to make an, a video that I have to take three or four days to prepare. To think that you might have two years of post-production. Do you know how sick I'd be looking at these stupid Avatar creatures for two years in the editing bay? Uh, he's described his post-production on Avatar 3 as hectic during a recent New Zealand press conference moderated by One News chief correspondent John Campbell. Cameron used the discussion to celebrate New Zealand as his main production hub, announcing his plan to move to make movies there indefinitely and revealing that he will finally become a New Zealand citizen in 2024. Yeah, I think if you're James Cameron and you make a lot of movies and bring a lot of money to a country, they give you a passport. I think that's how it works. Either way, good for him. Avatar 3 will be ready uh, for Christmas of 2025. Not a day too soon. All right. Jojo Siwa did not win Special Forces, uh, but she made it so close to the finale. She posted on Instagram all of the bruises, cuts, and scrapes that she got along her journey. And here's what she had to say. There's so many things I want to say about Special Forces. The human I went into selection as is not the same human that came out of it. There's no way to truly ever explain what we went through in the eight days of being there. There's so much that you didn't see 24 hours of being switched on, never knowing what What's going to happen next? Never knowing if you or someone else was going to break. So much happened that didn't make it to TV, but what did make it to TV was truly incredible to watch. Even though I, li I lived it, it was crazy to see the process back and see what happened all over again. And then she gives a nice shout out to all of the people that she was along the journey with. She says, thank you, I want to say to you. Thank you for watching and supporting. It's been so fun to see the audience react to the show. It was nuts, brutal, emotional, but it was so worth it. Yeah, that's JoJo Siwa. It was nice to see her break out of her mold as like a people pleaser kind of person who can never fail and uh, kind of strip herself down to uh, the raw version, which is always good to, uh, to try to get to that authentic version of the self. 
Okay, well, let's get to some good news. I told my wife, I say, you know what? If you ever come across any good news stories, send them my way. I want the morning rush to have a good news story. Well, how about this? A critically endangered Sumatran rhino named Delilah welcomes first calf. The species is critically endangered with fewer than 50 animals left. I'm going to post the photo that I'm looking at right now to the Dave Neal community on Facebook. It's a free community because this is quite possibly the cutest and ugliest animal I've ever seen at the same time. If I didn't know this was a rhino, I would think this was like a kid's shitty drawing of what an elephant would look like. I mean, this is so so bad. On November 25th, a healthy male Sumatran rhinoceros was born at a Western Indonesian sanctuary. This birth is welcome news for the critically endangered species. There are less than 50 Sumatran rhinos left, according to the World Wildlife Fund and the International Union for Conservation of Nature. A seven-year-old female rhino named Delilah gave birth to the 55-pound calf at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary in West Cambus National Park on the island of Sumatra. According to officials from the sanctuary, a conservation group found her laying next to her calf early on Saturday morning. The birth was about 10 days before the baby's expected due date. The baby's father is a rhino named Harapan, who was born at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden in Ohio before coming to Sumatra. So it looks like they've only got a handful of these rhinos, and they're sort of shipping them all around the world to help them mate. Imagine that. Imagine if someone picked you up for a flight, and you're like, where are we going? And you're like, well, you're about to go bang you're the mother of your child in Sumatra. Okay, all right, whatever. I'm a rhino. What do I know? Uh, they said, you never know if a first-time mom will know what to do, but Delilah brought that calf into the world and started nursing it with no fuss or fanfare. It's an incredible event that gives hope to the future of this critically endangered species. I tell you what, I've never been so exuded to root on a rhinoceros, so good on them. Well, Let's go from a feel-good story to a unfortunate story of despair, and that is the state of the world. Now, I know, hold on a second, this is a little heavy, but I, it is so worth talking about. Uh, and, and, and by that, I mean the Israel-Hamas war that's going on. Now, we're not going to get into the whole thing right now because, boy, is it complicated. And a lot of people, you know, comfortably live in North America and don't really follow it if you don't have family overseas. And I understand this idea of, like, just taking care of yourself and preservation and this and that. But it is, it, it, would, it would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't cover this story. Now, to be fully fair. I've had some people that are in the West Bank reach out to me and they've, you know, not, I don't want to say criticize me, but they've, they've said, Dave, how come you're not covering this story more? You were there to cover the war in Ukraine and this and that. And, and my only response is I fear not having the answers. As you guys know me, I don't fear not sharing my opinion because I'm okay doing that. Uh, but it is scary out there that people are getting attacked and canceled over their opinions on the war. So much so that celebrities are getting canceled for not having an opinion. Are you on this side? Are you on that side? Look, here's the truth, folks. So many humans that are innocent lives are involved and we need to do a better job of educating ourselves about what's going on out there. 
Any celebrity daring to publish social media posts about the complex and divisive Israel-Hamas war can expect backlash, but that hasn't stopped a number of famous faces from sharing their thoughts on the conflict. Now, it's important that we call it the Israel versus Hamas war because it's not the Palestinian people per se, right? It's this government that's run by tyrannical, uh, 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 you know, uh, medieval, uh, I mean, some of the techniques they, they've used to, you know, uh, barricade their uh, hostages underneath hospital, you know, there's, it's a tragedy, folks. It's a tragedy to even begin to discuss what's going on out there. And we need to do a better job of taking some bite-sized and actionable steps at at least educating ourselves so we know what the hell we're all talking about. And again, this is in Newsweek. On October 7th, Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel, killing around 1,200 people and taking about 240 hostages to the Gaza Strip. Israel responded with unrelenting airstrikes in a ground invasion after declaring war on Hamas. An estimated two-thirds of Gaza's 2.3 million population have been displaced, while more than 11,000 people have been killed there and thousands injured, according to the Associated Press. Some stars have thrown their support behind Palestinians or Israelis, but even those taking a neutral stance, such as Angelina Jolie or Selena Gomez, are being criticized for not taking sides, while those choosing not to weigh in are being condemned for their silence. Um... You notice this type of thing that happens whenever you support a cause and try to support humanity and try to support innocent lives. People that want you to be labeled a certain way will, whether it be supporting the U Ukrainians. They go, well, you're an, there's there are Nazis in Ukraine, so you must be this or you must be that. You must be Islamophobic. You must be anti-Semitic. Uh, we're so busy to label who people are. I think it's important in our community, uh, at least to take care of how we can offer grace to all of the innocent people that exist in this unfathomable, absolutely unfathomable hellscape of a war. In a lengthy post shared to Instagram on October 30th, Angelina Jolie, Oscar winner, expressed support for civilians on both sides of the conflict. Pa Palestinian and Israeli lives and the lives of all people globally matter equally, she said. And if people get upset at that, you know, oh no, what are you talking about? So it's one after another of people that have shared their opinions and then in some cases gotten canceled from movies they're working on. Susan Sarandon and Melissa Barrera dropped from Hollywood companies after comments on Israel-Hamas war. It's important, folks, that we do a better job at getting back to our First Amendment beliefs, which is fair and open conversation. Now, you might say, well, getting um, fired from a talent agency isn't a First Amendment right. That, you know, is reserved for the public speech and not necessarily for private companies, which I totally understand. But at the same time, we have to be aware if there are forces silencing dissenters and if there are voices silencing those who might uh, want to, I don't know, shine light on some of the atrocities that exist out there. It's important at the very least that we uh, sort of uh, uh, take the reins here as a country that prides itself on its freedom of speech and try to go back to a place where we can have difficult yet uh, good faith conversations. Oscar-winning actor Susan Sarandon and Scream star Melissa Barrera were each dropped by Hollywood companies after making comments on the Israel-Hamas war that some deemed anti-Semitic. Spyglass Media Group, the production company behind the upcoming Scream 7, acknowledged Barrera's exit from the horror franchise 
franchise. The Mexican-born actress who starred in In the Heights in the two recent Scream installments had posted statements on Instagram stories calling the war genocide and ethnic cleansing. Gaza, she wrote, is currently being treated like a concentration camp. Spyglass said in a statement that its position is unequivocally clear. We have zero tolerance for anti-Semitism or the incitement of hate in any form, including false references to genocide, ethnic cleansing, Holocaust distortion, or anything that fl flagrantly crosses the line into hate speech. Well, my question is this. How can you properly uh, condemn something that is getting to a place where it is out of control? The killing has to stop. There was a quick and short ceasefire, but we have bombs being dropped on innocent lives. And I understand it's complicated, folks. This is just the pacifist in me. We have to do a better job of finding a better way to get out of this mess. Late Wednesday, Barrera posted a statement on Instagram stories about her firing. She said, first and foremost, I condemn anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. I condemn hate and prejudice of any kind against any group of people. I believe a group of people are not their leadership. So basically saying, you know, you know, I don't, if you disagree with leadership in Israel, that doesn't make you an anti-Semite, right? She says, in that no governing body should be above criticism. I pray day and night for no more death, for no more violence, and for peaceful coexistence. I will continue to speak out for those that need it most and continue to advocate for peace and safety, for human rights and freedom. Uh, Deadline reported that Jenna Ortega, who played Barrera's sister in the two previous Scream films, has exited the seventh installment. Ortega earlier departed the franchise because of her Wednesday schedule, the trade reported, a spokesperson for Ortega didn't immediately respond to queries. It's almost like we are looking into this confirmation bias of what side we want to be on. And I, I, I know this might be very elementary of me to say, folks, but we have to do a better job of educating ourselves about the innocent lives that exist on both sides of this tragic war and be able to separate criticism of those in charge from trying to do something humanitarian to stop this right now and really beg our officials to find a humanitarian solution. I think that's safe to say. What do you guys think? Now, look, I know it's a heavy way to start the day. We have a little bit of everything from some entertainment news to some rhinos being born to a little bit of conversation around this war, but you're going to have to get educated in it as long as I have to because we're going to be talking about this probably for a long time. So it's important that we start listening up and realizing that just because something might be going down on the other side of the seas, on the other side of the oceans doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. And as humans, we need to fight for a world that just really, really uh, leads to peace. That's my thought. I'm going to have a lot of content coming for you guys today. I feel like we started this one off hot. So uh, uh, fuel on up. Go get your work done out there. I'll have a couple of YouTube videos. We'll be live on Patreon. And then this afternoon, we'll have another episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. Come <laughs> on.